so many things that you do that nobody else sees. And, you know, there's only so many ways we can show our appreciation. And, you know, a lot of times when we do things, like, we get rewarded. And even though you might not be able to tangibly see all the things that you deserve, the Bible says your reward is in heaven. And I just can't tell you how grateful I personally am for all the things you do, especially behind scenes. Because here in the past few years, I've got to be a part of those behind scenes through all the ugly, through all the everything that's going on. And just to see that constant drive to follow after the heart of Christ is just... And not only that, but help encourage others to never stop pursuing Jesus. It's just a blessing in itself. Real quick, though, before we dive into today's message, I want us to pray again. And I want us to just really understand that in a family setting, one of the most foundational parts of the family is the father of the family. So I just want to right now invite the father of the family of God. Even though he's already here, I just want to continue to ask that he would continue to show us that he is in our midst because he is. So Jesus, we just thank you so much, God. That even though we fail over and over, we get busy, we do things that allow our focus to go in a direction maybe you didn't want us to go in, God. You still are just waiting for us with open arms, just as the Father that you are, God. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would literally come and fill this entire building with your presence, God. We just declare that this building would just be filled with the will of God as it is in heaven right now, the very moment we're standing up until the rest of the service. I ask that you would impact everybody here. God, remind everybody that sows so much time into this ministry that are right in front of us today that you love them, you appreciate them, God. And not only that, God, but I ask that you would just Whoever you are today sitting in these pews, whether it's your first time here or you've been coming a while, God, speak exactly what they need to hear today. In Jesus' name. So just like Tracy said, today's theme is family. And, you know, the ultimate family... Let me get my fancy notes out. The ultimate family is the family of God. Because the thing about it, there's a father who leads this family, that orchestrates everything this family is a part of. And this family is for him. And simply because this family is for him, that's all that he needs. We have thousands of questions and wonder what it looks like to continue to follow after God's heart and what he would have us do, what he had us called to do. But the thing is, God's just a lot of times sitting there saying, hey, stop stressing. Let me water the seeds. You just plant them. And it's crazy how many times I've seen seeds that are being sown through the ministry to people who maybe have never truly accepted Christ or people that have kind of strayed away for a while and came back. It's crazy to see sometimes three years later, this seed is no longer a seed. 
it's a really big tree. And it's taller than you would ever imagine it to be able to grow. Simply because there was people willing to hold the bag of seeds that was given to them by God. Plant them in the places God told them to plant them. And then in the time that God, and only God says is correct to do, he will water and let it grow. Not in a manner of rushing, but in a way to where it grows in the time rate that that specific tree needs to grow. Because then later you can see the beauty of the tree. You, you don't see acorns. You don't see seeds unless you're like, hey, look at this little acorn. But the thing is, you see a tree, you can't miss them. I can't miss them every week, unfortunately. I can't get away from them. Some of you understand that joke. So what does the family of God look like? Better yet, though, what does the family of God represent? And I was sitting there. You know, we had the meeting this whole year up until right now where our last meeting was at before we we're just kind of gearing up to the actual service, which is today. And no matter how many times I ask God, like, God, how are you going to show us who you are in the family? How are you going to represent to us today what family looks like? And so I'm going to take it real quick. To what it true to truly understand the family of God, you have to understand what kind of father leads the family. It's not a father that whenever you fail and you mess up, they're like, Oh, you know what? I thought you could do it, but it looks like you're not good enough. That's not the father that we serve. The father that we serve says, Oh, you fell down. Well, I mean, can you get back up? You can't? Can you ask somebody to help pick you up? There's always a solution and a way to get up. I mean, it doesn't matter. And God's going to orchestrate every way on that to be able to happen for you. Because he's the father of the family. And that's never going to change. So real quick, I'm going to ask a question. Can I get a show of hands for everybody in here? Who's familiar with this TV sitcom, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Okay. All right. So, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is a show that aired in, what, the 80s? Early 90s, something like that. And, you know, it's crazy how God uses things for me in my personal life for me to be able to grasp understandings on who he is. Because God knows that I'm a very unique person. I think a very unique way. And a lot of times God speaks to me in ways that Maybe church would say, that's not very church-like. But for me, I've been touched by God through YouTube, I can't tell you how many times. And even TV, all kinds of stuff. We can't limit God to just what the world says it's supposed to look like. God is who he needs to be for you. And he's going to talk to you in a way that only you can understand him. We need to stop looking at other people walking in relationship with Christ and being like, well, I just didn't hear how they're hearing. Well, no, you didn't because God is a God for you. He's not a God just for that person and then you're supposed to follow every footstep they make. That's not how it works. Look at the life of Moses and Noah, the apostles, even Jesus. They didn't decide to do anything unless they heard from God and got his say-so, yes or no, to do so and then walked in it. But see, the thing is, I guarantee you, God most likely sounded very different to Moses than he did Noah. 
Because there's not a lot of times in the Bible, no offense to Moses, where it says he's just a super intelligent person. But he was obedient. Sometimes God says stuff very simple to us. And we're looking for some eloquent way of understanding and God talking in a way that, you know, a lot of the movies show. But I'm sorry, God's been speaking to you your whole life. And I'm going to share a quick testimony real quick. I, obviously, a lot of this isn't planned, but that's just kind of how God does things no matter what. There's no way around it. Everybody that's ever stood up here understands that. So I've worked with the youth group, I don't know how many years, nowhere even close to the years of my brother here in front of me. Maybe about, I'd say, four years, solid four years. And went to the youth group camps and saw a lot of kids that were very broken, very messed up, have God just wreck their lives, and they just really see God's heart for them. And you see the reality of God. You see him talking out loud, but nobody's visibly there. And you're like, whoa, this kid was like fighting somebody yesterday, and now they're talking to a God they can't see in faith. And it just it wrecked my heart every time, and it reminded me the purpose of who God's called me to be. In some way or another, we're all here to lead somebody else to the same God that we know. And so, real quick, this short testimony. There was this kid that had been going to our church for a long time, and he had gone to a lot of the camps, and finally he went to one of the camps, and we just saw him break down. God's love just got a hold of him in a way that was real for the first time, and you could tell. And he was just crying. He was on the ground. He could barely even move. God was just moving in him, showing him like, hey, yeah, I know you messed up, but that's not what we're going to talk about now. I want you to know that I love you. And that's what God was doing. And so this kid, you know, he grows up to be 18. He, you know, is too old to go to youth group anymore. And, well, the thing is, he, uh, he ends up going into the military. And as he's there, he's doing his own thing, trying to find out what's going on. It's been like three years now that he's been doing this. I get a phone call one night real late couple years ago and it's real late at night as I'm driving home one of my work trucks I get a phone call and he says hey man how's it going I'm like I'm doing good who is this he tells me who it is I'm like hey man how'd you get my number he's like oh I got it from so and so I just want to see how you were I'm like that's awesome man I'm glad you're checking in and um, we just kind of recollected everything that's been going on with our lives he said he's in the military and and I just tried to encourage him I'm like hey man just remember whatever you're doing in the military or any other job you can do it for the purposes of God. And then he got real quiet. I'm like, uh-oh, what did I say wrong? This is not the right time to evangelize. whoop de doo he's about to hang up. And so he didn't. He started saying, man, I've actually been questioning if God's even real. I'm like, really? Okay, well, you got a second? We talked, we talked, we talked. And then finally, he pretty much told me, I just can't hear God's voice anymore. And I was like, welcome to the club. I mean, not that we don't all hear God's voice, but sometimes God's waiting on us to take forth with that next step he told us to do, or that first step, if even, and he's not going to show us the next step until we're obedient to the first. That's why I kind of stay silent sometimes. He's trying to develop us in our faith. And so anyways, we talk and we talk. He ends up out of nowhere just spilling out all the sinful things he's been doing, all the decisions he's made, all the desires he's had, all these things that he knows aren't right, and he starts crying. I'm like, hey, man. Don't worry about it, man. I mean, I remember my days whenever I was, you know, questioning stuff. I get it, man. It's, it's hard. 
We end up praying, all that kind of stuff. And to sum it up real quick, he says, thank you, man. And I just said, oh, no problem, man. All I did was pray. I didn't do anything. And I asked him, I said, let me ask you one more question before we get off the phone. I said, you told me that you can't hear God's voice anymore. Is that what you said? He said, yeah, I'm not hearing nothing. I said, so three years later, when you haven't even seen me, you just found the urge to call me at six o'clock at night randomly. I said, who told you to call me? And he just started crying. Because he realized the whole time God was leading him to do something else with his life for the kingdom. Not because he was put together and ready to go, but because God only pursues us with a passionate, furious love that never stops, no matter what. And so, going back to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the show, the context of the show is... A guy who lives in a kind of dangerous neighborhood, dangerous town. His dad left out of the picture for, you know, since he was a little kid. And he gets into a situation where he's in real danger, street fighting and stuff like that. His mom's like, no, you're not living here anymore. If if my son's going to survive, you're going to go live with your aunt and uncle in Bel Air. And so that's what happens. He goes, he knocks on the door after he gets out of the cab. And he goes to live with him. And this guy, if you've seen the show, this guy has, comes with a lot of baggage. A lot of ways he reminds me of myself, I'll be honest with you. That's probably why I watched the show so much back in the day. But he comes with a lot of things. There's no filter on him. He's just always obnoxiously saying stuff that he probably shouldn't say. But at the end of the day, the aunt and the uncle... They welcome him into, into their home without any questions asked at all, as if, as if he was their very own son. And there's even an episode that just touched my heart. I watched it the other day, a little bit of it. The dad shows up in Will's life, and the thing is, uh, he hasn't been in his life in years and years and years, but... He says he's going to go on this trip with him, all this stuff. And the dad says, actually, never mind. I got stuff I got to go do. He disappears again and never shows up again. And Will Smith in that scene, he gets, says, I don't need this guy. I don't need him. I'm going to be a better father than he could ever be. It don't bother me. And then out of nowhere, he starts getting angry and angry and mad. And he just says, why don't he want me, Uncle Phil? What's wrong with me? Why doesn't he want me? And the only thing that Uncle Phil could do is not say one word, but just grab him and hold him without letting go. And that scene is just like, wow, that's amazing. This is like a message right here, here in this sitcom. And that's just kind of what God does sometimes, depending on what perspective you're looking in. But it just shows a really good example of God seeing the best in you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're walking in. Because that's just who God is. God sees your true value. Now, the world might say that you're this, you're that, you're never going to be this. You can try, but it's not going to happen. But God doesn't see you for who you are. He sees you for who he created you to be originally, with the original purpose that he has in your life. And so, it's not enough for me to just say something from a silly sitcom Let's take it to the Word, where there's actually true examples of God literally telling us 
what it means to be adopted into a family with open arms, just as Will Smith was. So real quick, let's start off with Deuteronomy 10.18. If anybody wants to turn there real quick or if there's some way to get it up here. Deuteronomy 10.18. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and read off here. It says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. You know, before I knew Jesus, which really wasn't that long ago, I tried to look the part most of my life, but I never really was somebody in relationship with Christ until I actually decided, like, hey, I'm done with all this. My wife can tell you how many years I've been a Christian, but I don't really know. Um, Enough years to understand that God's never going to stop pursuing after me. And so right here it says, and loves the foreigner residing among you. Why would God make it a point through Scripture to say, and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing? That sounds kind of similar, if you don't mind me saying. I remember when I walked in here, after a girl that I've been seeing, which is now my wife, somehow saw the best part of me that I didn't know existed. She kept nagging at me, let's go to my church Sunday. I'm like, I don't want to go to church. I want to sleep. I got to work Monday. No, thank you. But she kept nudging at me. And finally, just so she'd stop annoying me, I said, yes, I'll go to church with you, fine. And I did. And I walked in with that perspective of it's going to be like the rest of the places I've ever visited in my life. Oh, boy, was I wrong. Because immediately when I walked in the doors, before anybody said anything, I just felt like I was welcome. Not only that, but I felt an unexplainable sense of true purpose for the first time in my life. Didn't know what it meant. Me being proud back then, still am a little bit, but back then even worse, I said, I'm not going to listen to this weird, gushy thing I'm feeling inside of me. I'm just going to go through the service, be done with it. But despite all the things that I had gone through, all the things I was struggling in, all the brokenness and all the baggage that came with me, all the addictions I was still dealing with, nobody could see any of that. It was like this filter was put up as soon as that door met my foot. And all they could see through the filter was, hey, that's somebody God loves. And the next person walked in, hey, that's somebody God loves too. And it's the same for every person that walked through the door. And then if we also go to James one twenty seven, James one twenty seven for everyone, anyone who likes to open up the word and look actually off the page, um, It says, religion, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Once again, there's all these similar words that have a common denominator here through God's scripture. And these are, you know, scriptures that are so far from each other. You know how God is. He says the same thing regardless. And so in Deuteronomy, the word was foreigner. 
But in James, the word is orphans. And the thing that a foreigner and an orphan normally suffer from in the society of the world we live in is feeling rejected, feeling unwanted. Because I believe in a lot of ways foreigners feel like orphans, and I feel in a lot of ways orphans feel like foreigners. Because whenever you're in a place that you're not familiar with and you're surrounded by people that maybe don't even look like you at all. I mean, look at me. Look at y'all. I'm pretty different. And I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed of it either. I'm now at a place where I can say, yes, I am, God who says who, I am who God says I should be and nobody else. We need to stop comparing ourselves to other believers and trying to walk like them. Because whenever you start to take a chance and look through the lens that God looks through every day, you'll start seeing the world how God has originally designed you to see it. Do you understand that when you walk in public and you actually listen to the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus said, not my will, but yours, Father, and he just did it. You think he wanted to be crucified? No, he didn't want to be crucified. But he did it because God said so. I got on a plane a few years back and went to a country I'd never seen before physically in my life. And I didn't want to go. I don't know if I've shared that with y'all, but I didn't want to go. But I went anyways. And what God did through me and through our family and what he showed us is it's time to bring in the orphans into the family of God. Because it starts with one individual saying, yes, I'm going to go ask if they need prayer. But what would happen, though? we got to stop being so scared to wake up and ask God, like, God, show me the world how you see the world. We're so limited in our perspectives. We're so limited in what we want to see is Christianity and walking in the faith of Jesus Christ. But the thing is, who is God to you and what has he been saying to you for all these years? Walk in that and see the world change around you. Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. And not only that, it's not enough for me to just say one scripture and say that's what backs everything up. Jesus himself, for those of you who don't know, was God in skin, God in a body, saying like, hey, this is what I'm like. And the thing is, people wanted to know what God was like all this time. Jesus said, what did he say? If you've seen my face, you've seen the Father's face. So what would happen if you got up and you said, God, show me the world as you see it? Maybe you'd walk into Walmart or the mall or wherever you go, And instead of seeing somebody that's attire was a little different than yours, maybe they weren't allowed to wear anything except for show this part of their eyes. Y'all understand there's religions like that. Instead of seeing like, oh, that's an unbeliever, maybe you would say, oh, that's a hurting person. Instead of seeing somebody that's lost in homosexuality and the desires that they've submitted to, maybe you'd see somebody desiring and wondering what their purpose is. They just haven't quite found it yet. It's not our job to point out what the world is doing wrong. It's our love to lo- it's our job to love people the way that God says we should love people. We need to stop being God and saying, you know, this person doesn't need to do this. The thing is, you having that judgmental thought is just as bad as the sin that you say they're doing. It's the same to God. And that's just me being real because I've had to realize that for myself in my own life. But even in Ephesians, 
This is one of the most powerful scriptures, in my opinion. Ephesians really says it all for what it means to be the family of God. Ephesians 1.5. It says, In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Does anybody know what the word predestined means? I know what I think it means. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. You can run from it. You can put your head down and get in the fetal position. You can say, I don't want none of that religious stuff. But God's love is never going to stop chasing after you. Because that's the kind of father that we have in the family of God. There's a lot of people that walk in these doors that are uncertain on what step they're about to make of their life. There's probably people that have walked in here before that if they didn't walk in these doors and see most of the people that are right in front of me and the genuineness of the Father's heart in them and the acceptance that they pour out to them just as God accepts us in our most broken state, we don't know if they wouldn't have showed up if they would have went somewhere else and ended their life themselves. That's the kind of world, the kind of broken world we live in. In our most broken state, and I mean nasty, even as a Christian, we have times where we doubt a lot of stuff, we question a lot of stuff. God, you told me to do this, and I thought that I was doing it, but now where's the next step? Where are you at? Why am I not hearing you? God's always trying to develop you to be more like who? Jesus. It doesn't matter what happens. God doesn't desire necessarily for turmoil and tragedy to be bestowed upon your life. But because it happens, because we do live in a world of free will, and free will has consequences, when it rains, it rains on all of us. God doesn't show favorites. And so the thing is, God still uses it for his glory. He uses it to allow you to become more developed than you ever were before. Because what better way to reach somebody else who's going through a situation than to have somebody speak to the individual who's also went through it too. There's a lot of times where a teenager, whether it be here at the Lord's house or maybe at the mall, they're everywhere. I'm one of them too. My wife knows. But a lot of times I always hear the same phrase. And Elias, I know you've heard this too, man. It's, oh, you don't know what I've done. Or you don't know what I'm going through. And instead of just slamming them with Scripture or... You know, really just trying to speak the truth, even though it's good. Doesn't God say, shut up and listen? In the word. Be sensible, keep your mouth shut. It's good to open your ears and listen to somebody. Because you're not there to point your finger. Because a real family member is there to listen, even in the most messed up state the person's in. And they're not going to stop listening. And whenever that time frame comes for God to say something through you, use it. But don't be forceful because people are longing. It says all creation is groaning for Jesus. I mean, it's just simple. I mean, it's, it's simple, but it's not. But what would it look like to allow us to see through the lens of God? Because then, I mean, me and my wife, we want a big family. 
And I think one of the biggest families that could ever be on this earth is the family of God. And a lot of people would segregate and say, well, the family of God here at this church is like this. Well, the family of God here in this Baptist church is like this. No, forget about all that. Realize that Jesus is Jesus. We're not. We need to come together as a family, as the family of God, and let the Father lead the family only the way the Father can lead the family. We have a unique place here at the Lord's house. We really do. I mean, it's unique in a lot of different ways. When I say the word that we have a unique place, a lot of people are smiling and laughing. And you know why you're smiling and laughing. But the thing is, the Bible says, come as you are, not as you should be. That's not God saying, oh, it's okay to sin. Just come on up and keep sinning as long as you trust in me. No. But I think what God's saying is, don't stop pursuing after God just because you're in a messed up situation or you're in a messed up addiction, whatever it is. There's something I did to myself a long time for many years when I first started, you know, walking in relationship with Christ. And if I was having a bad day or I was frustrated or really stressed out or just not having a good morning or week in general, I'd be like, God, I'm not worthy to have you use me. I'm just, I'm not going to witness to nobody today. Thing is, I'm never going to be worthy for God to use me. None of us are. But he chooses, just as he predestined us to be adopted into the family. One more time, look. I want this to soak into our lives today. Ephesians 1.5, in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through, Christ, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. He chose to adopt you. Why would God... Hey, Rochelle, how are you? Why would God choose to adopt you and just because you mess up say, no, I'm done with him? If you think that about God, that you serve a different God. You need to see who the real God is. Jesus wants to use Christians not only to reach the lost. God does like three or four to five to six to seven, sometimes a hundred things at once just because he can do that. All for the same purpose, so that we would know him in a deeper way. A lot of times, you know, I haven't really felt like praying for people, and I do it anyways. And in that moment when I'm praying, God reminds me, hey, this is who you are. This is your purpose. And it's going to be different for some of you out there than me, as long as you're willing to be used by God, even whenever you're messed up. Because it's, it's whenever you allow God to use you while you're messed up that helps you get out of that situation and realize, what was I thinking the other day? I need to just keep on walking forward, keep on going. And so that's what we have the option to do. Don't wait until everything's perfect to allow God to do what he always wants to do through you and in you for his glory. Do it no matter what. But you know, everybody that walks in these doors are truly accepted. And it's not stereotypical. It's not stereotypical. It's genuine. Because in their own way, it's very unique to each individual here that's right in front of me. They listen to God. 
And a lot of times whenever you say stuff, when God's telling you stuff, you might never remember it again because it wasn't you saying it. That's how God works a lot of the times. And so when you walk in those doors, understand that you truly are accepted because the character of God accepts all walks of life and he is willing to do what he did. I mean, come on. He tried to reach out to us for all that time thousands of years ago, and then finally he decided, well, I guess I'm going to have to show up there myself physically because that's what these people are that's what these people are saying that needs to be proven that I'm real is I guess i got to go myself physically, and he did. So much so he was born as a baby just as we were. That's a little extreme, but he did it anyways. And still... They rejected him anyways. The Pharisees laughed at him while he was being tortured to a level that most people on earth have never experienced before. And he never, for one second, was like, oh, you're going to get it, Pharisee. You are going to be on fire after you die. Jesus didn't think that way. All he could do in that moment while he was being, first of all, how does he have any energy to do this? But he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. To be able to talk while you're being tortured to that level? Where's our attitude like that? Where's mine sometimes? Come on. I mean, in the family of God, we need to understand it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have a bad day, but just don't get lost in it and stay in it. Realize the hope of glory is here. The Prince of Peace is with you at all times. And if you doubt that, then you start thinking like, like Peter was in his hard times. But remember what he said, though. Whenever he came back and he was rose again from the tomb, he was alive. He was there. He wanted everybody to see him. To say like, hey, no, I really am alive. I conquered the grave. The Holy Spirit in me conquered the grave through me. He didn't just say, go get the apostles. I want them to see that I'm here. He said, go get the apostles and Peter. I think that Peter is the same as that foreigner. He knew there was truth. He experienced the truth. He walked away for a while because he was uncomfortable. But Jesus never stopped pursuing him. It's just amazing how God never stops pursuing us. A lot of us are lost in a lot of different things. Because it's just easier. It's easier to succumb to a world full of sin and get lost in things that make us feel good for that short period of time. But in the grander perspective of it all, yes, Christianity is harder than living in the world. But guess what? That's why we are the family of God. Because why would you be the family of God and just be a single child sitting there? No. The family of God has so many family members, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, nieces, grandmas, all of us. We're all here. And if we would all come together in the way that God says we're supposed to come together and intercede for each other and pray for each other and pray for other countries and pray for our other brothers and sisters in our family, we would see God do something that he has yet to do yet. 
there's all kinds of things where revivals breaks out. Well, I think it could be a worldwide phenomenon revival if we all got together and cried out to God in our most broken way and said, God, we can't do it, but we know you already did through Jesus. So do it. Show us who we are in the family. Use us in the body of Christ. You try to be the brain in the body of Christ, but it's never going to work because you're not the mind of it all. Jesus is. There's a lot of different body parts. If there was a comparison to a dog, I'd be the tail. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is that it's okay to not have a good day because whenever you come into this building, you'll see everybody in front of us and all the people they've led to be the same way through Jesus welcome you with open arms. Because anybody in here that's now in ministry or now that's walking in a calling, in some way or another, it's because these people never stop encouraging, yes, do it. If it's for Jesus, go ahead. Do it. And truly, from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you guys simply for one word, obedience. Because sometimes saying yes to Jesus before we even know we're saying yes to, that's a big thing. But y'all do it anyways. I'm sure there's a lot of times where service doesn't go according to plan and things don't happen the way that y'all thought they were going to happen. But that mutual thought's there. Jesus is going to take over because that's all Jesus knows how to do. And he does. I mean, I'm up here talking to you guys when eight years ago I made fun of people who said the word Jesus or Christian. I thought it was all just I thought it was all just a positive way to deny that they're messed up. But no. God decided to show me who I was anyways, and because of that, I'm hoping the light is very bright today. Because I don't want y'all to see my face. I want y'all to hear what Jesus is saying. Because if you see just me, you might start walking out of the door. So What I'm trying to say is thank you guys. As simple as that sounds, thank you for being obedient. Because with obedience comes passion. And we see all you guys here every week. And you have a heart for the nations in your own way. It doesn't mean literal all the time, but everybody that walks in here is welcome. And... So many times when I'm talking to maybe Cody or Queen or Elias, Pastor, whoever, I'm like, I just, I feel like I'm kind of talking to the same person in certain ways, but yeah, that's that's their own way. The thing is, it's the same Christ in them. So the difference is just like, hey, God made this person this way, made him that way. But the thing is, whenever we all listen to Jesus and the family, it's amazing what God's going to do through it. We need to start coming together, guys. We need to stop saying, I'm too busy. I got this going on. Maybe you do. Cancel it. It could be somebody's salvation. I know I'm guilty of it. I'm just saying, it's very important to... When God says something, it can wait, God. Don't do that. We're not promised tomorrow. We're just not. So trust in the Lord and what He's called you to do. Be who he says you are. Realize he is the father of the family. And when all all them things come together, you'll realize the seeds are there. 
from the Holy Spirit. Just place him where he tells you to place him. He'll take care of the rest. Stop trying to take the weight of the world on your shoulders. That's why God did what he did on the cross. It's not who you are, who you're trying to be. It's who Jesus already said you were on the cross. And not only that, just like one of my favorite, favorite evangelists says, if you weren't worth anything, then why would Jesus die if he says you have no value? I believe, going off of this same sermon I listened to, heaven went bankrupt to get us where we need to be today. Because if something is bought, determined by the price and the value it has, how valuable are you? Because God himself said, hey, guess what? I'm going to take the place they all deserve so they don't have to go through it. And also so the veil can be torn. And also, wait a second, also so they can hear from God on a regular basis instead of doing all that crazy stuff with the priests and sacrifice. No, that's all gone. Now I'm taking all the punishment. Not only that, I'm tearing down any division. And now the only excuse is us. Nothing is standing in the way. Just like Joey said. Joey, you need to get up here and preach one day, bro. Man, that was good. But anyways... Let's remember, be who God says you are in his family, because we are all family together. And this, this place that we're in, this is one of my homes. The encouragement I've gotten from Pastor Samuel, from Elias, from Cody, from all you guys, whenever I have things that God's placed in my heart, the only thing they know how to do, the only thing they know how to do is say, wow, that's amazing. I'll be praying for you. And they do. And we see the fruit of them prayers for what God continues to develop. And it's amazing. But thank you guys for always pushing me to be who God says I am and only that. Because if it wasn't for that, I really don't know where I'd be standing right now.